You're listening to the Movie Rob Minute Podcast. Thanks for thanks for tuning in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 84 of Season 3 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee-ki-yay our way through the 1988 Bruce Willis action flick, Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today, unfortunately, is not John, but in his place, I was able to to get Alan of, well, it's John of the Dirty Harry Minute that wasn't able to join me today, but in his place, I was able to to, to find someone just as good. And that's uh, Alan, Alan Sanders from The Wilder Show. Oh, The Wilder Ride. <laughs> the Wilder Show? No. Oh, what just happened? We just got no, no, you have the you, No, you have the Alan Sanders Show. So there you go. So I, I got confused go. between the Alan Sanders Show and the, the Wilder Ride. So there you go. So you're both from both. So welcome yeah, back man. to the show, Alan. Thank you so much. Good to be back. You know, when I was with you officially the first time, I had a nice clean T-shirt. I was just, you know, it was all spruced and looking good, having gotten off the plane. Now I feel like I'm wearing an army green smeared shirt and I'm just sweaty and nasty. But you know what? I'm happy to be here with you. All right. That's good. That's good. It's important, you know, because apparently Ellis has his own bathroom, but there's no shower there. <laughs> so. You know, that, that, that's a little bit of a problem. He could sneak back in there and, you know, maybe maybe grab his shoes. <laughs> I, I, one would say that John McClane wishes he had a pair of shoes. <laughs> yes. Yes. At least uh, from a terrorist who doesn't have feet as small as his sisters. Yeah. <laughs> You'd think he would have tried to take the, the shoes off of uh, Marco or maybe the shoes off of, of uh, uh, Heinrich. You know, someone who he shot. Apparently all of you these- know. It- Guys don't have very big feet. Either that, or he feels so pressured because of the sounds of the gunfire, he knows he's, he doesn't have time to uh, unlace somebody's shoes and run. But yeah, you're right. He, we only see him try once, and he never goes again. Yeah, yeah, that was it. <laughs> but you know right. what? You probably talked about it because I think that was right after I was done, uh, where he's doing the fist with his toes, and it's a callback to the the guy that he was on the plane with. Yeah. But as a device. It's such a neat little thing that runs through the movie that it's plausible. You understand why they made a they make a point of it, and then it becomes so important throughout the rest of the movie and and our um the the way we sort of feel for the character and we start feeling bad for the character and we start like every time he we we know what's gonna happen. I don't want to give anything away, but even my wife every time you know what's gonna happen and when she sees she's like oh oh. And so we feel even more compassion. So it's a nice little, again, little detail that's different from other typical action movies. Right. I mean, they they, they do that really well here. And and because, you know, I've been looking at this uh, in, in more detail than most people do, um, there are a lot of shots of his bare feet to keep reminding us. I mean, yesterday we talked about the fact that, that Thornburg is there just to remind us that he's part of the part of the story, you know, that we don't forget mm-hmm. that, that he's there. So they also quite often focus in on his feet the same way, just to, to, to quickly tell it, to show it to us, but we're not going to pay any attention to it unless you already know what's going to happen. The first time you watch this movie, you're not going to say, oh, he's barefoot again. He's still barefoot, whatever. You're not going to think right. about it. You've, you've already forgotten it. Exactly. Yeah. And it's such a nice – once again, I think John McTiernan is such a good director. He, for, for an action director, he remembers – He's a person, but he's a good director. Yes. <laughs> 
I'm not I'm not making judgment calls on individual personality. I'm going to talk about it as a filmmaker. No, I'm talking about the fact that he was he was arrested for you know, know. he went and sat in jail. <laughs> I, 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 again, I'm not going to get into personal life, but as a talented director, I think those are those little moments that do keep this movie a cut above your typical other cookie cutter action movies. Yeah, it's those little details, and it's the and it is remembering to not just do it for the sake of doing it. Like, oh, let's just do a foot shot. It's let's do it in a way that we capture it, remind the audience, but we're not slowing the story down. And it Correct. comes full circle later in the movie. So many yeah. things that I love about the way this – considering they were working on the script as they were going along, it's kind of neat that they did have some of these threads that circle back around. And the first time you see it, you may not remember something or see something until it kind of comes back. But then on rewatching, you're like, oh, I see that. They're going to use that later. And, oh, this is going to come back and yeah. I, just good writing, good directing, good filmmaking. Yeah, no question about that. I mean, the the fist with your toes comes from the original novel, so you know they 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 were able to keep that thread in there for for doing that. So minute eighty four begins with Ellis continuing with his negotiation tactics and ends with Ellis raising the level of drama. So yesterday we ended things off with with Ellis trying to start to convince John. That you know he's he's just causing problems here. You know, just just give up and that's it. And so he continues and says, "No one gets out of here until these guys can talk to the L.A. police." And that just ain't gonna happen to stop messing up the works, Capiche? <laughs> <laughs> so you know, uh, the, the the best part about the way that Hart Bachner plays this character is that. Ellis really believes that he's very clever with this little plan that he's, you know, uh, put together. Mm-hmm. You know, cause this is, this is his, his baby. You know, he, he didn't come to, to, to Hans and say, okay, what can we do? He came to Hans and says, this is the situation. I'm going to help you out. I have this friend who was at the party named John. And, you know, he continues with that. He doesn't, you know, he, and, and he's completely confident the entire time here. As I said yesterday, it's a role, and it's a sleazy, oily, slimy personality, but it works for whatever reason in the 80s business model. You just sort of assume that's just the kind of nature you need to have for those kind of multi-million, multi-billion dollar business deals. But it's so schmaltzy, and and it's a, it's a performance, and he's putting on a role to convince Hans he can deliver – but it's also how he's won, I think, every negotiation he's ever had. He convinces everybody in the room, including himself, that he's got the he's got the answer. I mean, he's 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 apparently a very intelligent businessman. He's just not a very intelligent uh, street. He's not intelligent streetwise. Let's put it that way. You know, he knows how to handle. It. There are there are a lot of people like that where they know how to handle themselves in a certain situation, and you put them in a completely different situation, and they they still believe they're in the same situation as they that they're comfortable mm-hmm. with, and they just mess right. things up. Because of that, yeah, absolutely, reason. absolutely. That's the other thing. I think everybody, maybe not to this degree, but I think we've all known somebody like Ellis. We've all known, yes. Like it's, it goes way back to Leave It to Beaver, the Eddie Haskell, the person who mm-hmm. may not have the best intentions, but knows how to put on the false front in the face and to just get what they want. That's right, definitely right. So he mentions the fact that that you know that no one gets out of here until these guys talk to the L.A. police. So what does that have to do with anything? You know, like. How is John causing problems and stopping them from talking to the L.A. police? I don't know what Ellis is thinking. I think Ellis is trying to be clever. It doesn't make any sense when you really stop and think about it. 
it's a party line. Yeah. They could call in. The, Hans could call them. You know, the, John is not preventing the LAPD from being able to talk or vice versa. The LAPD could do whatever they need. Yeah. <laughs> and while he's talking, you see that he's just sitting very comfortably and he he feels as if he's in his environment. Mm-hmm. You know, he feels as if he's in a comfortable mm-hmm. place. Well, Even though he really it. isn't. He's in, an, he's in a high executive office in their crowning. He's in Hollywood. You know, the crowning <laughs> achievement for their latest building that they're still finishing the upper floors. He feels like he's at work. Yeah. You know, just the fact that somebody's got some guns True. and someone got killed. Eh, we can, we'll put that aside and worry about it another day. Right now, it's a negotiation. And oh, by the way. Correct. The whole line about him saying about the LAPD, we know he must have been sitting in the room. When Hans interrupts the conversation he's having with a cop from the LAPD. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Touching, cowboy, touching. (laughs) That's right. And and then we get a shot of of John and he goes, Ellis, what have you told them? And again, Bruce Willis does a great job here because you can see on his face how concerned he is. And that his mind is racing, trying to say, okay, what have you told him? Did you tell them about Holly? Do you tell them, you know, like what, what let me know what 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 you told him? You know, and, and it's great because he's he John has been calm and collective most of this movie, and this is the first time where we see him off mm-hmm. balance. Definitely. He's been off balance since his name got dropped. But not to the point yes. where he looks like he's gonna flounder, but he's it's the first time we've seen him in, uh, unsteady. Right. And he needs to know what what information what happens. I love about once again it's I'm I'm studying the acting of, of of Bruce Willis. He takes a moment, he even you get that sense of him like licking his lips, like taking a swallow, like I have to figure out the quickest, fastest way to get the upper hand back, and I don't know where I am. So now my only play what have you said? I need to know. You know, like I, I, I'm lacking information here. I have no idea how to play this because I have no idea what you've said. Have you, you know, again, we don't know if he's talked about Holly. We don't know. We're going to find out. But at this moment, Bruce Willis is not telegraphing that he has any idea what's been said or where it's going. And he's trying to figure out how can I quickly right. get control back? Cause I've just lost the upper hand with Hans. Yeah. Yeah, and it it goes hand in hand with with what we talked about yesterday. That you know they shocked the audience to the fact that it wasn't Holly, who's already being who, who's been given as a scapegoat or as you know they, they haven't given up the prize. And once again, you know John's thinking maybe they did that right. also. Still, you know he's still concerned about right. it. He doesn't know, but how does he say it in a way right. that doesn't convey that there may be other people he knows there he can't he know you know you mentioned yesterday everybody's always on a party line well john's aware of that too he knows hans is listening yeah so he's got to try to figure out how do i get ellis to say what he said without saying hey ellis you didn't mention holly did you i mean he can't say that he can't say did you bring anybody else right and he can't he can't do like wink wink like uh how's uh uh what what, what's her name the the secretary Ginny. how's Ginny's boss doing wink wink he, yeah. he can't do that. He can't say <laughs> there. He knows Hans is too smart. Now, if this was a street thug, if this was like a dirty, hairy movie for a moment, you could maybe get away with something like that. 
Shout out to John. Yeah, sorry, sorry I had to be there, there for uh, for the benefit of. Uh, I was just thinking of that scene uh, when he comes back from the coffee shop when he's like, you know, I've been getting coffee here for years, and this is the first time I had like a uh, you know all that sugar, and I had to ask myself what was going. On? <laughs> you can't play it this way with Hans. Hans is not a street right. thug, and that's the cat and mouse game I was talking about yesterday. I still love it. John is behind the eight ball now. Hans has the upper hand. But this back and forth, how can he get it? This is a great question. And he's, again, the tension. I find myself holding my breath watching the movie like, what happened? What? And I know what's happened, but I'm so lost in the moment by moment when I rewatch the movie. I am there with Bruce Willis trying to go, how are you going to get out of this? Yet yeah, you had the upper hand, and now all of a sudden Ellis just screwed everything up. Yeah, completely. And. <laughs> At this point, you know, we, we get another shot of Ellis, and he's still very comfortable. And he goes, I told them we're old friends, and you were my guest at the party. Right. And what I like is Ellis is doing it in a way like he doesn't think the other guys in the room are hearing him. It's almost like, just just between exactly. you and me, I just told them, like, wink. This, this is what this is I told going, them. This is him going, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I told them we were old friends. Wink, I mean, wink. Technically, Han should have realized at that point, okay, so it's a, it's a line of BS, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. It works yeah. because you're getting the sense that Hans – that uh, uh, Ellis is, oh, look what a good guy I'm being here. I, I'm I'm being a good guy here. Like I'm playing this for you. I'm going to be here for you, man. See, yeah. wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Of course – And do you see, yeah, see how like, his hand moves when he's talking? Like he has all these hand gestures. Once again, the only guy who doesn't really <laughs> exactly. know how to hold a walkie-talkie or he thinks it's some kind of a – like he thinks he's a maestro and it's like his wand and he's he's playing with it. Yes, yeah. Now, I mean, the the cover story, it's it's a, I, I gotta say, it's a good cover story. He he might not know how to deliver it well enough, but the idea is a good idea that you know you're an old friend right. that, I, that I invited you no, to come it, to the party. It makes sense. On the surface, the story you know, he, works. Ellis has thought things right. Ellis has thought of a good story. You know, he's just not a good enough actor to 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 pull it off. You know, but the, the you know he he does cover all all the bases mm-hmm. with with everything that he's talking about here. That I, I'll I'll let you get to the dialogue, but I, the expression on John McClane's face right. we have to get to when when he's processing that line when he's thinking about okay you went into Hans's office or you went up to Hans and you said what you just told me. That were old friends, and I was here at the party with you. And his yeah. next line is just like Ellis. It's it's a warning. It's and Ellis is too stupid what? to understand it. He's yeah. like, you shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> and you tell me about it. <laughs> All right, John. And, and yeah, it goes right over. Like Ellis is thinking, oh, in Ellis's head, he's hearing it as, dude, you're. Thanks for sticking up for me. And that's not what he's saying. He's like, dude, what are you doing? That's right. This stop what you're doing. And Ellis, is th- he doesn't think of it as a, a warning. He thinks of it as a compliment. Right. Completely. He goes, all right, John, listen. They want you to tell them where the detonators are. They know people are listening. They want the detonators or they're going to kill me. <laughs> now, I don't want to jump because, I mean, that's the line. But we wanted to talk about this for a second because right after he goes, tell me about it. Yeah. There's a moment where he has to pause before he goes to the line about the detonators because we've got to have – well, a third person come in from Han's crew to deliver some 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 refreshments. Yes. So Frank Franco shows up with a glass and a can of Coke, which 
Can I tell you the the irony of the joke here? Because growing up in the 80s, and I had a coach who used to say this all the time, and then I had a history teacher who said this all the time. So I end up saying the worst dad joke when my kids were growing up. Every single time when they were young and we would somebody would say, do you want a Coke? I'm like, oh, I tried sniffing Coke once, but I just couldn't get the can up. My right. Nose. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm so familiar it's a with nice the little <laughs> double entendre here because we knew he was snorting Coke earlier in the movie yes. off of Holly's death. Spot. Just Mr. as a Spot. cop shows up. <laughs> and so yeah, missed a spot. And now they're bringing him an actual can of Coke <laughs> for his. For his cooperation and for helping Hans here with his little problem. Yeah, yeah no, they, they, they... <laughs> And do you look at it? Look at Ellis, the actor. The, how he looks up at Franco and like thinks like he's the waiter at a restaurant or a stewardess on a plane, going, eh, "Yeah, yeah, that's good." And nobody Hans like, eh, "Thank you." Like, eh, we're all buddies here. And and he also has has Franco, you know, like open the can for him and start pouring it. It's not as if you know. It's not as if he's just giving him the can and letting it do it himself. He's he's busy, you know. Ellis mm-hmm. is busy negotiating. <laughs> Don't disturb him <laughs> while he's negotiating. Just, just bring him the Coke, you know. Bring me the can, pour it. I've got things on my plate. That's right. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's it's great that they do that. And it's because, I mean, we, we know what's going to happen tomorrow, but it's, it's, it's there for the setup, and it works great. Mm-hmm. The other thing is we do have a, a quick insert of Alan Rickman, we, which is good because we need to bring him back into the frame for just a moment. Because while Ellis, once again, thinks he's an equal in the room and he's telling the henchman, yeah, yep, go ahead. And he puts his hand over like, hey, Hans, how's that sound, huh? Yeah. Hans is looking at him like, you're such an idiot. Like he's got that look. He's not giving it away that I'm going to kill you. It's the look of I can't believe how dumb yeah. you are. <laughs> Completely. Because yeah, it's it's and like I, a sympathetic look. Like I, I can't believe how gullible you are. Not just dumb. Right. That, yeah. Exactly. How dumb? How did you? How did somebody like you get into the position where you are and you can't even figure out the temperature in the That's room? Right. <laughs> Total lack of self awareness. Yeah. What I like uh, audio, uh, uh, sound design wise, which I think is a nice little touch. You hear the pop in the as fizz. they're pouring the. Yes, as they're pouring the coke and you hear it live in the room, and it cuts to the to Bruce Willis hearing the rest of the they want to know where the detonators are. You hear that same fizz coming through, almost for John to realize, oh my God, they've brought him a coke. He thinks he's in the upper hand. It's like it's an added audible audible cue for John McClane to go. Ellis has zero clue now, yeah. none whatsoever of what's about to happen. Right. For sure. And I mean, I, I also have that in my notes that you can hear the fizz over the radio. It's just great the way that they, they do that. Yeah. You know, and I mean, and this is um, Ellis's negotiating tactic. Mm-hmm. You know, he says, you know, they wanted that and they're going to kill me. And again, it shows how stupid he is that he's using himself as the bait here. You know, why does he think this is going to work? You know, the thing we haven't talked about, and I think it, it comes much more into play in this minute than last, is the score. Because mm-hmm. while we've got the sound, while we've got the tension, while we've got the back and forth, you hear him in the room, we hear him fine. Then when he's coming across on the CB, you get that more muted kind of uh, you know sound, so we, we know he's being transmitted through the, through the walkie-talkie. 
the sound design is almost like a ticking clock. It's just this little bit of doom, 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 yeah. doom, doom. Like you hear these little strings and like plucks, and it's almost like ticking down how much time is left to get to a resolution in this scene. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it adds to the tension. It's it's completely adding to everything that's going on. And and it works because it, it adds to it. Because mm-hmm. we don't know, you know, the the question is, is, is there anything that John can say to, to help Ellis here? What I like, that's it, it, a great question, because what I like is in terms of Bruce Willis, whether he just kind of went with it or he was given direction, you just don't know. Because obviously Ellis isn't on the walkie talkie with him and you know, behind the scenes acting 101 there was probably somebody reading the lines in the room with John to be quote the, the, the Ellison, probably not delivering a performance. John McClane or Bruce Willis was reacting with by himself in front of the camera. Right. Mm -hmm. He walks away and you get that sense of the pacing. So you've got the plucks of the music. You've got the, the, the him thinking and he walks, looks at his reflection in the window. Then he kind of walks back like he's trying to work it out. What can I possibly say to a guy who has no idea what's happening in the meantime? And that he's endangering himself. Right. And in the meantime, we do a cut back to Ellis after making this threat of like, Hey Hans, I'm going to sell this, right? Look at, they're going to kill me. He gives a thumbs up and a wink and a smile. (laughs) Like, look how good I am. Oh, John's going to buy that. Oh yeah. So, I was I was gonna mention about the thumbs up. So he gives him a thumbs up signal. All right. Do, do you know where the thumbs up signal came from? Is this go back to uh okay, this again, you you take me completely off guard. Does this go back to the gladiatory days of the uh emperor sitting there watching uh gladiators and they always get it wrong in Hollywood? Uh thumbs down technically in in history is if you were okay, we got we want to spare this guy's life or thumbs up, kill the guy. You are correct. That's where that comes from. I mean, most people don't know exactly where it started, but uh, you know, they they do know that that when they were using, you know, in gladiators, so there was the idea of thumbs up, thumbs down. And then you also have it in the in the Middle Ages. That was the signal for for archers to prepare for battle, to to get their bow ready and uh, you know move up. Uh, to the front line or wherever it is, or the the front line of where they're going to be shooting from. Okay, and uh, in modern day, it means something else. Was it mean in modern day? Well, if I go back to let's say Happy Days and the Fonz. It always went with like, hey, like, hey, that's cool, that's good, yeah, <laughs> good job. Right. I mean, basically, a thumbs up means it's it's the the expression that everything is fine. Yeah. That's good. Good job. You did well. Normally, like yeah. somebody looks at you like, "How'd I do?" You go two thumbs up. We we do that with yeah. movies. Yeah. Exactly. Did you like we're, the movie? We're getting there. We're getting there. So first, three. I want to talk about that in World War II, it was used. Okay. The um, it became more popular by by pilots during World War II, where they would use that to communicate with the ground tr- ground crew, you know, because of all the noise and everything like that. That everything's good and they're ready to go. Mm-hmm. And so eventually, you know, that, that, that became something that, that, that has been used, you know, in, in, uh, in the Air Force ever since, because it's, it's a, it's a very easy way to convey that, okay, everything's good. And then, you know, you have the whole thing with uh, John McCain. That was one of his, uh, you know, famous, uh, things that he would always give the thumbs up. 
Mm-hmm. And then when you're talking about movies, so obviously we have Siskel and Ebert. You know, the whole idea of thumbs up, thumbs, thumbs down for whether a movie is considered good or not. And obviously today, now that that's one of the symbols on, on Facebook. Yep. Click a like. You like it? That's right. Give me a thumb. Mm-hmm. Of course, it also means so, hitchhiking, but hey, that's something separate. Yeah, there is hitchhiking that uh, that deals with it. Mm-hmm. It's the universal sign. I need a ride. I'm thumbing a ride. That's where the phrase it's, comes. It's very funny in Israel. In Israel, when people are 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 looking to hitchhike, they don't do that. They have the their their finger pointing downwards. Really? That's how. That's how you. Yeah. But if you did the thumbs, would somebody know what it means because of the – I don't know. I haven't, I haven't hitchhiked in, in, in decades. I would I think with <laughs> film being ubiquitous as it is in so many movies that have so many references, I, I would imagine that someone – even if that wasn't the culture you grew up in, you'd recognize what that symbol meant. If you saw a person on yeah, the side probably. of the road and they had their thumb out, you'd be like, ah, they want to ride. Right. That's probably – Or they want to kill me. So, but you know, it just depends which movie you watch. Yeah, that's true also. Um, it's also used in scuba diving, right? You know, because when you're underwater, you use that as again to the AOK sign for that. Mm-hmm. In uh, basketball, it's it's part of the 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 when when you uh, when someone holds the ball too much, the official will jerk both thumbs in the air that they, uh, that they have to have a jump ball. Uh, baseball, it's used also. Umpires, you're out. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they throw up the big thumb. Um, in amusement parks, they use that, to, you know, for roller coasters and stuff like that, that everything's okay, so you can uh, move along. And in there, there's a, a brand of cola from India called Indian Cola, which is called Thumbs Up. <laughs> and that's what they have on their logo. And uh, yeah, so that that's uh, there, there's there's a lot of uses for for putting your thumb up that Ellis will never live to see. <laughs> Nicely said, sir. At this point, Ellis says, "John, didn't you hear me?" Right. And John goes, "Yeah, I hear you." And, and he he does it in a way that, like, okay, you should have answered by now, but it's like. For, for It's like he's doing it for dramatic effect, and he knows it's for dramatic effect. He's Once again, he thinks he's in a performance. Yeah. He thinks he's selling this. Yeah. He has no idea what's no, happening. None whatsoever. And then he goes, John, I think you should get with the program a little bit, huh? The police are here now. It's their problem. Now tell these guys where the detonators are so no one else gets hurt, which is ironic that he says it that way mm-hmm. because we know who's going to be hurt. <laughs> right. If you've seen the movie only once before. Yes, yes. Now, he says get with the program. Have you ever heard that phrase before? Uh, that – yeah, I have, obviously, and I know it uh, – I remember it as more of an 80s expression. I don't know where it came from before, if it had to do with computer programming or anything. But get with the program is, you know, sort of, hey, this is the direction we're all headed. This is the – this is where the, the, the organization's going. This is our program or our – Mission, get with it. Stop trying to be an outlier. Stop trying to do your own thing. Kind of get in line. It's the idea of becoming aware of something, like you're getting a clue, uh, becoming organized that you're on top of things, or you know, get on the same page type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you often heard it about 
like, hey, we've got a we're, we're going to do a group session here and we're going to try to open up, talk about our feelings and try to be better. And then somebody's over there going, I'm not telling you. Feelings. Like, Come on, get with the program. Everybody else is doing it. It's basically like, hey, we're everybody else is doing this. Why are you trying to do the opposite? It's to, to work know? to work productively towards the objective of a shared enterprise, especially after the objective or the environment has changed. Which, which fits right. in really well here. I mean, it's it's interesting that he would use this type of jargon. You know, on the one hand, we think of Ellis as this, you know, highbrow executive, but some of the phrases that he uses are are more guttural. Yeah, but that phrase I I felt was big in the '80s. Get with the program, you know, like that was a yes. But I don't, I don't that know that it was necessarily slang. That's the thing. You know, I having not been a businessman in the 80s, I was still in high school going to college. <laughs> it just feels like that's the tone of the the greed of the 80s. Like, hey, we're all on the same page here. We're all going to make money. Get with the program. Hey, we're all going to march to the same drummer. Let's, you know, we don't need any outliers. We don't need anybody stirring the pot. Let's get going. Okay. And that's fair. Um, I, I don't know that it's necessarily a like if somebody said that in an, in a business meeting, I wouldn't think of it as like, ooh, that's inappropriate. I would think you're basically saying, hey, you're you're literally saying, stop trying to be the squeaky wheel. Let's all work together. Right. Okay. There there is something to that. I I would agree with that. So that that's you have anything for, for this minute? Because we we just ended the minute with him saying, tell the guys where the dentures are, so no one else gets hurt. Yeah, I think we end. There's a in the middle of a sentence. He says. Well, he'll continue. He, he ends the sentence, but he it's still he's, he's in the in, middle of you know, his, putting my of his diatribe. Yeah, he's in the middle of saying, "You're I'm putting my and putting my what? We're, we're gonna have to wait till tomorrow." But that's he he ends and he's working himself up. Now he's in that mode. He's like, "You know what? I'm gonna put some urgency in this. I'm gonna light a fire under this guy. He hasn't reacted. He is not he's not doing what I want. So I'm gonna change my business tactic. I'm gonna I'm gonna light a fire under under him, and I'm gonna say, "Look, you know, I'm putting myself yeah. on the line for you here. Exactly. You know." <laughs> we'll see if that works. We'll see, hmm. we'll see if that works for Ellis in uh, in the next right. minute. Okay. So the the script has a few minor discrepancies. Some of them are are pretty interesting though. So when Ellis says that you know he told him that they were, were old friends and that you were my guest, so it says McLean sighs, partially relieved. Hans meanwhile narrows his eyes, meaning that it it makes it sound as if this is the first time that Hans has actually heard that phrase. You know, that Ellis possibly didn't tell him that beforehand. According to the script. Obviously, it's not the way it was acted. Yeah, according to the script. We're talking about the script. According to the script. And then it says, uh, you know, he doesn't he doesn't give him a thumbs up. He gives him a big OK sign, which which Hans returns, <laughs> meaning, you know, he, he does the hand gesture of OK, and then Hans gives it back. And then we, we get a shot of Powell and Robinson listening in on the conversation. And it says uh, they're listening intently. McLean closes his eyes and leans his head back again. He knows what is going to happen, even if this poor bastard Ellis doesn't. And then Ellis says, John, didn't you hear me? And then McLean says into the radio, yeah, I hear you, you fucking moron. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, I think we've, I'm glad they cut that every out. time you've brought up <laughs> where there was just a little deviation from the script, whether it was chosen to be cut out, they may have filmed it and just cut it so that way we don't have the line or they chose not to deliver yeah. the line. The, 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 the stronger overall performance is what happens on the screen. The choices made either on the set by the yeah. director, the actors or both. 
by deviating a little bit from the script works. I wouldn't have liked it. It would have been comical goofy for for Hans to give back an okay sign. It's better for him to look at him with the look he gives yeah. like, you're an idiot. <laughs> and it's exactly. better for John to Completely. just go, yeah, I hear you. We don't need, we all know Not- he's a fucking <laughs> idiot. We don't need him to say it. Moron. Moron, moron. <laughs> so I like the choices. Plus, plus it leaves yes. it for the audience to fill that blank in. You know, you don't have to tell me everything. I know mm-hmm. because I'm watching the scene, Ellis is a <laughs> moron. I don't need you to then tell me that. Yes. We can tell by his actions and the fact that he's the only one clueless in this entire scenario. It's better the way it's delivered. Yeah. No, for sure. And also, if he would have said it, then maybe Ellis would have been clued in. And we don't want Ellis to be clued in to the fact that that, that he's a right. moron. You know, so, yeah. All right. So every Thursday we have a segment called Off the Beaten Track Holiday Edition, where my guest will give a little story, anecdote, something that happened, you know, over the course of life uh, that's somehow related to the holidays. So, Alan, you have another story now, for us? Now, when you want a holiday story, does it have to be the Christmas slash end of the year holidays or just any holiday? It could okay. be any holiday. Because one of the things that just happened, this was a from It could be a made up made up holiday too. It's not, it's not made up. Um It's um wait, what what what, so what you was know, the uh what, what was the one from Seinfeld? With the Oh um uh uh uh, uh, uh Festivus. Festivus, there yeah, you go. Festivus for the rest of us. On uh, on the twenty third of December, it's Festivus for the rest of us. Yes. We have feats yeah. of strength, we've got the uh, Festivus meal consisting of meatloaf on a bed of lettuce. Uh, we have the airing of grievances, and the evening doesn't end until the head of household is pinned in a wrestling. That's impressive. That's very impressive. I'm 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 up on my festivist lore. <laughs> Apparently. Um, Wait, so, do you you have a festivist story for us? No, I don't. I, I, I don't. <laughs> but I, I what I do have is you know in the United States we don't call it holiday. We call it going on vacation. But there's a reason why Europeans call it going on holiday because it is a special time to be with family, friends, whatever. And so using that as my jumping point, we just came back uh, just a couple of uh, weeks ago, uh, beginning of the month here, for when we are recording, not when it's released. Uh, our girls came to us a little over a year ago. All of our girls are, except for one, is out of, are out of college. They have jobs. So they now realize they don't get their summers off like they used to. They don't have these long, big blocks of free time. They get maybe a week or two of paid time off. If they want any additional time, it's without pay. So they understand yeah. the working world all of a sudden. And about a year ago, they my my daughter, uh, Lexi, who's the second one down, her and Ashton, that my two oldest, had been talking, and she came to my to my wife and said, So uh we've been talking, and we realize the last time we went to the beach, we were all in middle school. Ashton may have been a freshman in high school, and we their words, not mine, we kind of acted like little bitches. We didn't think how important it was that you guys set aside time, money, dollars to make a beach trip happen. We wanted to sit inside, sit on our iPads. We wanted to watch TV. We wanted to stay in the air conditioning. We didn't want to go to the beach. We didn't want to be in the sun. We didn't want to go outside. And we realized that, you know, because we because we, we got upset. We were like, you know what? We didn't come to the beach and spend this money, rent this place, find the place for you to sit inside and watch TV. And it wasn't the greatest last beach vacation because it turned into a little bit of a resentful we could tell the girls didn't want to go to the beach we didn't want to they were too young to leave them all behind so we just didn't go back again eight years now eight years since we've been at the beach they came to us and said 
is there any way you guys would consider going back and doing that exact same vacation that we screwed up the last time? Can we go back and do a nostalgic beach vacation like when we were in middle school? Can we go back to the same place, try to do the same things? Basically, can we do a do-over and make it a family vacation? My wife and I looked at each other like, in my entire adult life, I never thought I'd want to go on vacation with my mom and dad. It never even yeah. would have crossed my mind. My wife the same <laughs> way. We're like, our kids want to go back on a vacation. They're adults now. They've got jobs. They could go wherever they want by themselves. Are wanting to do it together. And so we jumped at the opportunity. And dude, as a parent, I can't tell you. Everyone's got different criteria of what they feel is a success or something that you can be proud of. As a dad, and my wife feels the same way as a mom, to know your kids were willing to want to want to be with you and to have had a great time and that we spent a week reliving a beach vacation that turned out to be such a great bit of family time and such a great bit of nostalgia, I couldn't put a price on it. However much we spent in the middle of all of the stuff going on in the world, it was well worth it because those memories are going to be with us forever. Wow. That's a great story. Thank you. Thank you for that. You want to once again tell people how they can get in touch with you? Sure. If you want to get in touch with me directly, you can find me uh, The Alan Sanders Show. I do a news politic kind of talk show. Uh, but that's where you find me everywhere. So if you want to find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, I'm everywhere. If you want to go into the movie side, we're under The Wilder Ride, which is the movies by minutes we did for seasons one and two. We have some great guest interviews in seasons three and four. We changed the show format up a little bit. And I think a lot of that content is evergreen. We interviewed people who I thought were – you could hear their story anytime. It's not necessarily relevant to a particular moment in time. So those those interviews I think are really fun. So you can check out The Wilder Ride. Go to the wilderride.com website. That's where everything's located. Or just do a search for The Wilder Ride in your podcatcher of choice. All right. And finding me is very simple. All you do is a quick search for Movie Around Minute. You can find me on my website, moviearoundminute.com. You can find me on Facebook. And you can find me on Twitter. So – until tomorrow, yippee-ki-yay. yippee ki